Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship at Naples United Church of Christ on this beautiful Sunday morning. We're glad you're with us. Uh, Dr. Dawson Taylor is taking some time off this weekend, so we wish him uh, well and a great rest. Pastor Deb is still in California with her mother and doing well. Um, I have here today with me Dr. Sharon Harris-Ewing, who will be celebrating with me today. And also Dr. Becky, the chamber choir, and our guest soloist, Todd Peterson. We'd ask you if you would like to join us today after worship for our virtual gathering place. All you need to do to participate is to click the virtual gathering place button from your Sunday night e-blast. If you did not receive one, please call the church office now at 239-261-5469. And Chelsea will send you that information. We will need your name, email, and phone number. And that way we can send you an email link to participate. This Wednesday, Sacred Conversations continues as we discuss race and privilege. It is at 5 o'clock p.m. We hope you will join us virtually. This week we will be discussing chapters 16 through 18 on the book How to Be a Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. The Wednesday after that will be a panelist discussion on Wednesday, July 29th. We will welcome guest panelist Vincent Keyes, president of the Collier County branch of the NAACP, um, and also Jim and Harriet Lancaster, a local interracial couple who were married one year prior to the loving decision. Because it's a panel discussion, we would like to invite folks to send in questions that they would like to have addressed. But if you'd like to do that, uh, you'll need to submit questions for July 29th, no later than this Wednesday at 5 p.m. And you can send your questions to justice at naplesucc.org. So those are our announcements for today. Again, welcome. As an intergenerational congregation, let us center our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship. You know, when we are children, we start to develop dreams and aspirations. At age five, I wanted to grow up and become the star of the Mickey Mouse Club on TV with Annette Funicello, of course. Two years later, that dream was gone. It was replaced by wanting to be the next Tarzan, swimming, swinging from vine to vine in the jungle, being a hero, and saving Jane from the bad guys. When I was 12, I spent hours on the back driveway shooting baskets because I was sure that I would become the next Jerry West, leading the L.A. Lakers to the next championship. Somehow, by the age of 15, I didn't know what in the world I wanted to be, who I was, or whether I would even make it through high school. I knew a lot of kids who had their sights set high on prestigious colleges and careers that promised the rewards of enormous financial gain and stellar reputation if they could manage to climb those ladders of education, internships, and corporate politics. You know, if you've been around long enough, Maybe you remember an author by the name of Napoleon Hill. He was born in a one-room cabin in West Virginia. 
and he loved to write. In 1937, he published a book entitled Think and Grow Rich, an all-time bestseller about climbing the ladder of success. In his book, he illustrated his principles for success with stories of Edison and Ford and other entrepreneurs of the time. His principles were based on self-motivation and individual achievement. His work and the work of many others reflected the dreams and aspirations of many in America. But for others, those dreams and aspirations led in different directions, to music, to art, to teaching or medicine or social work. Some merely hoped to carry on the dreams and aspirations of their parents and their grandparents who started the family farm or the small factory or the local restaurant. In virtually every case, the hope was to become better, more proficient, and more successful. You know, even way back in the 6th century, just 500 years after Christ, there was a Christian monk living out in the desert who wrote what is still a very famous book entitled The Ladder of Divine Ascent. His name was St. John Climacus. And he based his book on the scripture passage Dr. Sharon read for us this morning about the ladder that Jacob saw reaching up to heaven with angels ascending and descending. In his book, he talks about climbing the ladder of spiritual success. The ladder was comprised of 30 individual rungs that dealt with various virtues and vices and disciplines that would eventually lead you to the top. A Jewish perspective on spiritual success is similar. In his book, Everyday Holiness, Alan Marinus writes, the Torah reveals in no uncertain terms what a human being's job description is. In essence, we are here on earth for no other purpose than to become as spiritually refined and elevated as possible. Well, I, I, I don't know about all of this. There can be something very attractive about St. John's ladder approach and the call of the Torah to become as spiritually elevated as possible. But, you know, that just doesn't help those of us who are afraid of heights. Some of us think that divine ladders and high spiritual elevations are better left to spiritual Sherpas, just as there aren't very many folks who have what it takes to just think and grow rich. So what is to become of us? Well, I suggest that we return to the story in the book of Genesis, where we find Jacob, a young man with great dreams and aspirations, but not at all above deceiving and stealing to achieve his goal of gaining that double portion of his father's wealth. A wonderful author by the name of Barbara Brown Taylor gives us a delightful summary of the story. Here's what she writes. There he was, Jacob, still a young man running away from home because his whole screwy family imploded. His father was dying. He and his twin brother Esau, they had both wanted their father's blessing and his wealth. 
Jacob's mother had colluded with Jacob to get it. And although the scheme worked, it enraged his brother Esau to the point that Jacob had to flee for his life. Now, Jacob and his brother were twins, as you know, but not identical twins. Uh, No, Esau was big. He could have squashed him like a bug. So Jacob left with little more than the clothes on his back. And when he had walked as far as he could that day, he looked around for a stone he could use for a pillow. When he found one just the right size, Jacob lay down to sleep, turning his cheek against the stone that was still warm from the sun. Now, maybe the dream was in the stone, or maybe it fell out of the sky. Wherever the dream came from, it was vivid. A ladder set up on earth, with the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God ascending and descending like bright-winged ants. Then, all of a sudden, God was there beside Jacob. Remember, I am with you, God said to him. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Barbara Brown Taylor is one of the most magnificent storytellers and theologians that I know. I love how she retells the story, bringing it to life and vibrancy. But there is something in the story that we could easily overlook. It is the latter, and it is the angels who are ascending and descending, and most of all, it is Jacob, who is never asked, required, or pushed to climb that ladder, but to measure his success by how he trusts God to be with him along the way. Listen. Ladders are for angels, not for those of us who are afraid of heights. And let's be honest, we're not angels anyway. Just ask our spouses or our best friends. So then what is the good news for those of us who have at least some interest in spiritual life and yet have no illusions or aspirations to be at the top of the heap? The message in this story is that we are not required to climb the ladder of spiritual success. But we do need to live as Jacob did, to walk the path, to learn humility, and to trust the one who promised to be with Jacob and with us every step of the way. So perhaps we ought to consider the rest of the story just to see if it actually happened. Jacob continued on his journey north, where, just coincidentally, he happens to run into his future wife. Unexpectedly, his uncle provides him a home and employment for the next 14 years, during which time he has to work. He has to labor for his heart's desire instead of cheating. During those years, besides having to eat a healthy portion of humble pie, He is blessed with two wives, 12 children, and a wealth of livestock. When Jacob decides to return south to the land of Canaan, 
Again, there is a vision, perhaps a dream, in which he wrestles with a mysterious divine being who bestows upon him a new name, the name of Israel. It means the one who wrestles with God. So Jacob continued to be with Jacob as he, over, as he had to overcome his fear and seek forgiveness from his brother. God was with Jacob when he and his brother buried their father Isaac. God remained close to Jacob when he was told that his son Joseph had been killed by wild beasts. He didn't discover the truth until years later when God revealed that Joseph was alive and well as Pharaoh's chief operating officer in Egypt. For a third time, again in a vision, Jacob was reminded that God was with him and would bring him and his family out of Egypt into the land that God had promised. And so we see that Jacob climbed no ladders, but God was with him throughout his lifetime. Through these stories, we see that Jacob had to learn humility and to overcome fear. Jacob, he was still Jacob. His personality was still his personality. He was never a spiritual giant. But God was with him as he made the journey of life. And that which never occurred to Jacob while he lived was that it would be through the genealogy of his son Judah that one day a child would be born in Bethlehem who would change the world. So I return to the original question. What is to become of those of us who are uncomfortable with heights, with spiritual elevations that cause us more dizziness than delight? Like Jacob, God asks only for our trust along the journey. Someone once said, allow yourself the dignity of your own journey, even if it doesn't feel very dignified. During that journey, you will learn humility. You will find blessings. You will wrestle with God's messengers. And you will leave a legacy that you will never know about. And there's one more thing. Somewhere along the way, like Jacob, you will be called to recognize the presence of God in your life. And that is called worship. What is that all about? Arthur C. Clarke, creator of 2001 A Space Odyssey, put it this way. You will experience true worship when you recognize that you are experiencing something greater than all the power and forces you have ever met. Jacob, grandson of Abraham, son of Isaac, would have agreed with him. And perhaps today we also will be able to say, like Jacob, God, I trust you to be with me and to keep me in this way that I go, to grant me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I finally may come home in peace, and you shall be the Lord, my God. Amen.